Thank you for downloading this Brum Radio podcast. For more podcasts, visit brumradio.com. And now, for your listening pleasure, it's the Brum Picture Show. Brought to you by Brum Radio. Hello and welcome to the Brum Picture Show, right here on Brum Radio. It's a weekly film show covering local, independent and world cinema. Brought to you by Birmingham-based Community Cinema Collective Screen B14. Don't you know what I mean? Um... You didn't warn me he was going to burst into sun, uh, people. Dear. It's like uh, being in anyway. a musical. <laughs> so, welcome to the Brum Picture Show on Brum Radio. As you may have guessed from my angelically melodic introduction, the topic this week will be musicals. Now, it's the middle of January, it's cold, it's dark, everyone's miserable, the future is uncertain but bleak, so why not let's try to cheer ourselves up with a little bit of a sing-song, eh? Songs are great, films are great, so together, they're doubly great. So, let's get through this month, shall we? Uh, now, once again, it's a little bit quieter in the studio than usual today, because, again, Rory has abandoned us. Now, don't worry, he claims that he's not off networking again, as regular listeners may remember, we chastised him for doing that a few episodes ago. But he is, in fact, working, which is even worse, if you Dude. ask me. I know. He has told us, however, at some point he will be here. So that's a nice little bit of uh, suspense for you throughout this episode for you to enjoy. Will he turn up? If he does, what will he have to say for himself? So forget waiting for Godot. This is waiting for Rory. But thankfully... We have our ever-loyal film expert, film lover, film hater, filmmaker, the great Nadine O'Mahony. Uh, do I have to sing? Yes. <laughs> no. That's not going to happen. Yes, I'm. hi, I'm Nadine. I'm the head programmer for Screen B14. I write films, I direct them, I... Don't sing or dance, I'm afraid, but I do co-present the show with uh, Rory and Paul. Oh yeah, that's my name. My name's Paul. Hi. Yeah. Uh, hi, everyone. So, so Nadine, I believe that you have just come back from somewhere that's even colder than Birmingham. Yes, I've just flown back from Prague. It was freezing. It was minus 11. Uh, I learned the fine art of layering and I also got a chance to visit some movie locations. Ooh! Uh, if you're a fan of the Mission Impossible franchise, as I am, you'll know that they filmed many scenes in Prague in the first film uh, on the Charles Bridge mm. and around that area. So I, I, have, I, I could see the ghost of Ethan hawk running down the streets I, I posed next to the gate where Kristen scott thomas uh, had a run-in with a with a frenchman um yeah uh, unfortunate running so yes that was quite fun i enjoyed that oh that sounds great that sounds like uh well i mean actually at minus 11 that that sounds unacceptable even if you are visiting some movie sets I, i'd still probably rather just not go yeah. <laughs> well, you know, they know how to do it over there. We just we bought some really thick scarves and gloves and just yeah, just layered ourselves up and braved it. And mm. um, you know what? 
it wasn't it wasn't too bad. Just that's a hot chocolate. That's a hot chocolate as well. Okay. Well that sounds that sounds nice. Well very pleasant indeed. Well, welcome back, Nadine, to Birmingham. I'm sure you're thrilled to be here after after flying back from Prague. And oh my goodness, I bet your arms are tired. Uh, anyway, so <laughs> coming up later in the show today, we will, as aforementioned, be discussing musicals at length. We'll be choosing our favourite musical to talk about, or, well, maybe not our favourite, maybe just one that we think we should tell you guys about. And of course, we will also have Nadine's roundup of news and events. And we will also have a review of Society of the Snow, amongst Ooh. other things. But now it's time to take a look at... Oh, my goodness! Who's just walked into the studio? Well, we just did this whole introduction about how the whole episode was going to be us full of suspense of when Rory's going to turn up, what he's going to have to say for himself. I made a whole waiting for Rory joke, and now you've just anticlimactically turned up... Slightly late. Five, slightly <laughs> yeah. late, five minutes in. It was almost not worth putting any of that in my introduction at all. I wasted your entire evening last <laughs> night did. about all the sledging you were going to give me. Do you know how long it took me to script that, that two sentences about you? I know you're a perfectionist, so I, I can imagine it could take, <clears throat> take some time. Well, hi, hello, Rory. Welcome back. Well, thanks for that warm welcome. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's lovely to be back on the Brum Picture Show in the new year. Ooh, yeah, we've just been talking about how it is January time and we've decided to cheer ourselves up right. from this cold, miserable month with um, a lovely little chat about musicals. There we go. So. The, the biggest cure for seasonal affective disorder, I think. Yeah. Exactly. Well, you, exactly. I think the biggest cure for seasonal affective disorder was um, Paul's introduction. You missed it. He sang the introduction yeah. without warning to me at all. So and um, There should I, be a trigger warning for that. <laughs> <laughs> no, but honestly, uh, this is a bit of news for the viewers. Paul did his first ever karaoke on uh, New Year's Day and it took about an hour of me cajoling him uh, <laughs> to do it and he brought the house down. Paul actually does have an amazing singing voice. I'm so glad we've taken our precious time in the studio to talk about this. I know, thanks <laughs> and, and the annoying thing I is the annoying thing is he said, oh no I can't do karaoke, I couldn't, I, there's no way, it'd be too embarrassing and then proceeded a round of applause after he finished. <laughs> We can't oh, stop dear. him now. That's, we can't stop him now. The genie's out the bottle. It's too humble. Too it's humble. Too yes. humble to comment. I'm incredibly embarrassed right now. But anyway, <laughs> welcome Rory. Welcome Nadine. Let's move on with this show and let's talk about some of the news items that have caught our eye recently. So Nadine, I believe you had a couple of things that you wanted to mention. Yes, uh, you may remember. Paul breaking the very exciting news just some weeks ago of Oscar Isaacs carrying a Christmas tree. Ah, that's cute, yeah. Yep, and and we also tweeted that picture to our socials at ScreenB14 for those who, who had not seen it. Wow, I think he's been one-upped by his co-star Ethan Hawke Ooh. from uh, Moon Knight, who was also pictured carrying a Christmas tree in a very jaunty manner. Jaunty, was it? It was so jaunty. I think it was I think it was on one leg. Wow. It was just balancing it on one leg. He was smiling, that Hollywood smile of his. He was balancing an entire Christmas tree on his leg. No, he was balanced on his leg and the Christmas tree was balanced on his shoulder. Sorry, Oscar Isaac was balanced on Ethan Hawke's no, leg. No, Ethan Hawke was on one leg 
and Christmas tree was balanced on his shoulder. Right, okay. Uh, was it a full-size Christmas tree? Oh, yeah, it or? was a proper Christmas tree. And I can't, I can't help but think this is in direct sort of conversation with, with Oscar Isaacs. Do you know what I mean? I feel like he saw the picture. He, maybe he tuned into the show and heard about it. And felt, you know, I've got to, I've got to top this. And I, frankly, I think he did. So I think we'll be, I will be posting both Christmas tree pictures to our social medias at Screen B14, and I'll let you listeners decide who did it better. Who, Nadine? This is a question for you. Who, what next celebrity would you like to see carry a Christmas tree? <laughs> oh gosh, uh, so many. I'd I, like to see a woman carry a Christmas tree. Let's for get equality. Some, some just, women. Just like, yeah. Any woman. One, just, any, any just woman. Any woman. <laughs> women can carry Christmas trees too. Yeah. yeah. And I haven't seen it yet. Exactly. I've exactly. never not seen this. <laughs> uh, I think Kate Blanchett would, would really... She'd she'd do it some justice. I'd like to see sort of Timothy Chalamet struggle, <laughs> str- wrestle with a Christmas tree. <laughs> I think Timothy Chalamet might need some help. What in general? Only, just <laughs> no, just carrying the Christmas tree. Might oh right, be too yeah. Much. He's a very slight chap, isn't he? Yeah. Well, um, yeah. or maybe just like a smaller, small, maybe some other kind of plant, January themed. <laughs> well, I, well, I'm glad that this is a trend that's emerging. I'm, I'm hoping to see more celebrities carrying more plants. plants. Yeah. So um, that's good. Rory, anything catch your eye? Yeah, um, so I saw on The Guardian, they um, had an article, it was about the BFI, because they've started a season celebrating the work of British composer John Barry. He composed some James Bond films, including Licence to Kill. Uh, sorry, I, I, I just saw it, was, the article's called Licence to Offend, I don't, right. but I don't know if he did actually compose Licence to Kill. Well, he did the, the, the main theme, so is that like, there, there definitely would be some John Barry music in Licence to Kill. Does he just do, is, is that his... Is it, is it's he, like the, the, all the... Dun, dun, oh, dun, the surf That's John Barry, definitely. Is it? So he definitely scored like the earlier ones. I don't know whether he was still like scoring the whole films by the time Dalton got involved. But, yeah. um, it would have been based on his yeah, original exactly. work. Yeah, exactly. What was interesting about it is uh, the BFI, they've started putting a trigger warning for these films this was the one of the trigger warnings one of the disclaimers it says contains language images or other content that reflects views prevalent in its time but will cause offense today and then in brackets as they did then uh, now it's quite vague it is vague and also it's not entirely true in that in that it, it's not that it will cause offense today Mm. It might cause offence today, depending on who's watching it. Yeah, is that the exact wording then? Yeah, really. Okay. Because because if you're a um, if you're a racist, racist. <laughs> you, it might not cause you offence. But then also, you would argue you probably aren't going to a BFI, <laughs> you know, screening of, of the composer John Barry. So, oh well, you don't know. This is the BFI's response. Uh, Whilst we have a responsibility to preserve films as close to their contemporaneous accuracy as possible, even where they contain language or depiction which we categorically reject, we also have a responsibility in how we preserve them to our audiences. Well, I I agree with that because I think there's been a bit of a trend recently of actually actively censoring older mm. older films and i just don't i don't agree with that at all like just cut, cutting yeah. bits out it's like these are documents of a, of a historic period and if you start snipping the bits out based on your the, the current ideas of what is socially acceptable then you just you're just rewriting history aren't you so we need to know where we came from 
and we need to know that this is how things were and you know and then we can learn from our past mistakes and yeah, and, I mean, and, and build on that so I'd, I'd much rather they just put up a little warning going ah some of this a little bit dodgy mate than than start cutting stuff out like you know so yeah good I mean, on them for, good on them for you that get warned if there's violence and things like that so and i don't have a problem with that so exactly you know what I mean? yeah. so, you don't need the warning <laughs> i don't yeah. i'm like oh great when I see that, oh, yeah. bloody, strong bloody violence. You get excited Fantastic. by that. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I'll watch that. But, you know, I think it's worth it. You know, I'm a mixed race person and I tuned into a lovely holiday musical not long ago, Holiday Inn, and wasn't expecting to see a huge song and dance number with blackface in it. I, w- I would say it did offend me, but I, st- I continued to watch the film. But I can see why I think it's worth letting people know that that's in the film um, mm. if you're not expecting it. So at least you know what you're getting yourself in for. So, yeah, I don't have a huge problem with that. I think, yeah. like you say, it's better than actively editing these bits out to make them more palatable. Yeah, yeah. Bring back smoking in Tom and Jerry cartoons, I say. Um, okay. Just quickly, little news article that I I found that I just I mainly just enjoyed the phrasing of the headline. Barry Keegan admits Saltburn's salacious grave scene was improvised, and I just the, how loaded is that? <laughs> just saying, it's like oh he took yeah he took responsibility for that. Now if you haven't seen Saltburn, there's a scene. I, I watched it at Christmas. Oh, yeah, oh, really? On Christmas Day. Yeah, with my parents. Oh. Got the whole family around. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, there's a scene that... Now, that it, needs a warning. Yeah. There's a scene <laughs> involving a grave um, that you definitely would not want to watch with your parents on Christmas Day. And, um, and yeah, apparently, Barry Keegan has said that that wasn't scripted. He just wanted to see what Oliver would do next. I wanted to see what the next level of obsession was. And by that, I mean I just wanted the camera to roll, not to kind of preempt it or rehearse it. And what happened, happened. It was one take, and I think it was right. It moved the story forward. <laughs> Did it, Barry? And like, I'm sure it wasn't that imp- Like, I bet there's, there's no way. I he bet didn't, there was somewhere he in didn't, the He didn't say to Emerald F- F- Fennell, yeah. it was like, by the way, I'm going to do this. It's like the cameras are rolling, and then suddenly he starts doing that. You'd if give you a sit- heads up to the production. You would. Like or the poor, the poor runners. Yeah. Or what? No, it was a close it, or, set, I believe. It, or, it was a close set. Or is it true that just everyone on the set just stood there aghast? It's like, what's Barry doing? He's gone mad. And Emerald Fennell's just like, no, just let it roll. He's a he's an artist. Let's see where he goes with this. And then then we wind up with that. But anyway, that just amused me. Um, I hope, and, I mean, I hope that, he... that was the scene that made an audience member say the S word right. when you were watching it. Yes, it cool? yeah, yeah. So it's a very shocking scene. So I, I hope he doesn't do that in every film. He does. <laughs> That's just going to be his <laughs> thing his now. I just want to see where this character's going. Uh, um, so yeah, I just thought that was an interesting one. Because say what you will about Saltburn, the amount of discourse that it is still generating, you can't say it's an unsuccessful film. Mm. It's just... Yeah. Everyone's still talking about it. Yeah, it's um, some shocking stuff if you've never seen films before. <laughs> but anyway, also, Talk To Me directors Danny and Michael Philippou will begin filming their next project this year. So obviously, I'm excited to do that. They're doing a sequel to Talk To Me and also a Street Fighter film. Classic. Get the indie directors to do some massive bit of IP uh, and then also a sequel to their own film. You are listening to the Brum Picture Show on Brum Radio. 
we are going to be talking about musicals to try and cheer ourselves up. So, do we like musicals? Is the question. Is it the question? Is it the question? Are, well, are we going <laughs> to do a show completely about musicals and we're all going to answer no, we don't like musicals? Quite possibly. Well, um, my thing is that I've never really considered myself much of, much of a, a musical guy. But having said that... You make uh, music. Having said that, I like music, but I don't tend to seek out musicals. But regular listeners to the show will know that I routinely say that The Muppet Christmas Carol is the greatest film of all time. Exactly. And, that, and that is literally a musical. So I, I suppose nonsense, I'm, cha- I'm just a contradictory figure um, and actually musicals are great. But yeah, um, so Nadine, would you like to talk at length about the history of musicals and their place within cinematic history and public consciousness and the universe overall? No. Cool. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll give you a little, a little bit of information. So obviously the first films that came out weren't musicals because they were silent films. So really, the musical could only come about when, when sound was introduced to cinema, but it sort of drew on a much older tradition of musical theatre. Uh, Rory's partner is uh, a big musical theatre person, isn't she? Yep, shout out to Lauren Shirley. Yeah, so a lot of the, the sort of musicals, obviously they drew on a much older tradition, sort of like the vaudeville, American tradition and music hall tradition from the United Kingdom. And... The first talkie film was a musical, was The Jazz Singer, Mm -hmm. was a film that probably needed a trigger warning. Um, Again, some very unfortunate sort of racial stereotyping in that. Um, Al Johnson sang songs such as My Mammy, and he was a white man and probably shouldn't have been doing that. But, you know, after that, we we had some amazing films. We had, you know, The Wizard of Oz is a musical, you know, Singing in the Rain, some of these, you know, some of the biggest, most classic, iconic film moments of all time come from Mm -hmm. musicals Mm -hmm. and it's and you know musicals were big business back in the day they got bums on seats in in movie theaters um along with you know the big epic films that also fell out of fashion later on and and musicals were were out of fashion for quite some time but then we had you know subversive musicals in the 70s and 80s things like the rocky horror picture show films like um the little shop of horrors exactly so you know not not your grandmother's musical and now we've we've got disney films we've got the muppets we've got all sorts going on so uh, yeah it really has evolved from the earliest days of talking cinema right up to i mean this year i think we're getting a bit of a musical comeback this year alone the little mermaid Wonka, The Colour Purple. Next year, we're going to have a musical version of Mean Girls coming out. One thing that I find interesting, actually, though, I think people are still a little bit... There's a bit of trepidation about musicals, films like uh, Wonka and Mean Girls. The advertising is leaning away from the musical aspect as if they're trying Mm. to trick people to come into the cinema (laughs) and then, like, surprise them with a musical number. Um, but, you know, La La Land was a huge hit. Uh, you know, I think the musical is, is making a comeback for sure. Hmm. Generally speaking, though, why did that decline happen, do you think? Because, like, for example, my girlfriend's really into musicals and it's come from her granddad, who all he watches is musicals. It's like, hmm. And that's because he's of that generation where, you know, th- that was the big event, the musical was the big event. Like you said, that's what... That's what got people out into the cinemas. But when did that decline exactly? Why why did it decline? 
in the 60s, they were still very big. Um, you had a lot of, you know, like Dr. Doolittle and Paint Your Wagon and all those kind of films. But I think in the 70s, just generally, there was a kind of trend towards gritty realism in cinema. And that probably didn't fit as well with the classic, you know, big Hollywood musical traditional um, type. But like I said, then you got you had musicals by like the Rocky Horror Picture Show. You had uh, Bob Fosse, who I'll be mentioning later, um, who worked in in Broadway musical theatre as well. And he had some very sort of edgy musicals such as Cabaret and all that jazz and and, and sort of dealing with slightly darker themes. Um, so I think, you know... Was it a history thing in some ways? Because I know, obviously, in the 50s and 60s, there was still, you know, it was still sort of on on the back end of the Second World War and then only after that, you know, revisionism came in within the arts and was was that was that the what you know motivated? You think sort of dark times almost led to a boom in musicals of like people Escapism wanting to be and that sort of thing. maybe in a post pandemic world we all need a little bit of sunshine and, mm. and tap dancing. I mean, I think I, I do like musicals, but I think my problem with a lot of them is that uh, just the arrangements of the music, the, the songs themselves are just so traditional that I, I, I wish there were more musicals with just my kind of music, to be honest. It's, yeah. why, it's why I love Annette so much, because it's kind of basically a rock opera and it has like, you know, some rock music in it, as, as long as, as, as well as many other genres. But I don't know, it's just, I, I just want like Suspiria the musical, like mm. with, you know, the Tom York, uh, Tom York soundtrack. Like I wish there was more kind of stuff that wasn't, yeah, just so traditional all the time. Because I think that is just the general format for musicals. Is you've got your orchestral arrangements and you've got all this, all this business. Sort um, of Broadway. I think yeah. a lot of that is stemming from that theatre roots, mm. the theatre roots of, of the musical. And I think, like, I think you're probably right to survive, to sort of become relevant. Mm. The mu- perhaps musicals need to shed that those theatrical sort of elements and mm-hmm. and that Broadway because there is something in that style of singing it's so specific mm-hmm. and maybe we do need to see more rock hip hop whatever other genres trip hop musicals yeah. <laughs> I don't know something it's, different it's sort of evolved but in probably not the way you want because I know yeah. Lin Manuel Miranda he's, he's he's done something different with Into the Heights and obviously Hamilton yeah. that's on the west but that's not I mean it's hip hop but it's probably not quite yeah, know, what yeah. you're it's looking still, for really. yeah, it's, yeah. Not, it's not gritty is it? it's still sort of you know no, exactly. playing for, to the middle class audience but I think that's the thing as well because theatre when you think about it um, theatre tickets are so expensive and they are catering to an older audience who probably, you know, are not as edgy, mm, perhaps, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and and sort of interested in what's sort of new and exciting. But as as we age, yeah. you know, we'll start to see things that be like, oh, we actually like that, because yeah, that yeah. reminds us of uh, when we were young. Yeah, maybe they'll finally make the uh, Green Day American Idiot film, because be cool. I know they did the stage version, but yeah, they were talking about doing a film of that for a while and that never happened but but i guess the thing is i i perhaps that's why we're seeing an increase in more event cinema and like live streaming you know ballets and uh, musical theater and that kind of stuff is because it's still a mass like of all of all genres of of film making a musical is probably one of the biggest financial risks mm. just because of the money yeah. involved in making a musical with all the you know the, you know, the dance troops and chor- the choreography just the, everything that goes into it like but it's then, a hell it's a it's a much bigger production so it's you know no 
But then you've got films like Once. That was a musical, wasn't it? Ah, right. And that was um, a low budget. Or oh. was it a film with songs in it? I don't know. But I think it, beca- it became a show. <laughs> yeah. It did become a show. Oh, right. Yeah. There you go. Well, that's something actually we haven't addressed is what is a musical? Mm. Is a musical just a film with songs in it? Well, I think there's definitely... Because would you call... I'm not sure. Bohemian Rhapsody, a musical. I, I, I don't know. No, a, no. Music, a music biopic. Yeah. But then we were also talking about dancicles as well. I don't even know if that's the correct term. Mm. But there are some some films um, that have big dance sequences, but not the singing numbers. So yeah. think like Step Up to the Streets and stuff like that. So what what's that even or, called? Or Get a Gaspar Noe's Climax, which I absolutely yeah. love. There's a lot of dancing in that, but I certainly wouldn't call it a musical. Exactly. <laughs> Maybe it should be a musical. Yeah, yeah. Well, mm. uh, if you know what a musical is, email us at, <laughs> at, at brumradio.com. Uh, <laughs> the other thing is as well, all, it seems like when you look at all the new, most of the new musicals that become popular, they're all either like sort of versions of previously mm. in musicals like West Side Story, mm-hmm. you know, or even the new ones, they're all trying to bring us back to another time in the past. Like mm. La La Land is about, you know, mm-hmm. you know, it's about Hollywood, you know, in the golden era or whatever. Mm. So there's a nostalgic element to it, a bit retro. But there's not, is there, a, I mean, there's Into the Heights. I mean, I'm sure there are other examples, but mm. musicals that are written now in today's time mm. that have done really, really well. I mean, you could say that about most films, though, to be True, honest. Like, yeah. even most films, it's just like it's got to be based on some kind of existing IP or, or, or something. Mm. It's got to be something people remember. But, but no, you're right. Like, it's just, there's not that much, you know. People, people just like old things and they just want to see the old things again. That's the mm. safe bet financially. It seems With- like a good way of recycling things as well. Like, oh, you've seen Mean Girls and you like that. Now Mean Girls the musical. Mm. Or you read Colour Purple and you watched the original Colour Purple. Well, now it's co- the Colour Purple the musical. So mm. um, You like you know. Schindler's List. Now oh, no. Schindler's List the musical. <laughs> <laughs> perhaps, not, perhaps that's going a little too far. All right, maybe. Could you um, make anything a musical, though? Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> that's the question. I mean, Cabaret, yeah. that's a musical. Yeah. And that deals with some, you know, well, yeah. dark themes. And even The Sound of Music, one of the biggest mm. musicals. I mean, that's dealing exactly. with a very dark period yeah. of history. Yeah, full of Nazis. So, exactly. You know, the producers. I mean, the film The Producers is all about that, isn't mm-hmm. it? It's about turning something that should oh. never be a musical yeah, yeah. into a musical. Exactly. But anyway, we should definitely be moving on. So we will each be, as usual, talking about a form of our choice. So Nadine, what is your choice for this week? Um, So my musical choice today is Chicago. And I think if you're a person who says that you don't like musicals, then, you know, I challenge you to watch Chicago and then say that afterwards. Because I think it is one of... On the one hand, it is a traditional Broadway musical. It's huge successes toured all around the world. You'll probably, even if you haven't seen the film, you'll probably be able to hum along to some of the tunes. But it is edgy, it is grittier. It is, you know, Bob Fosse, his work particularly was quite dark. And he did like to deal with sort of challenging subject matter. And this is about, you know, murderess row in Chicago in the 1930s jazz age. It's all about booze and liquor and murder. And, uh, you know, what isn't fun about that? (laughs) So this is based on um, the Bob Fosse 
you know, original musical that he um, sort of planned with his former wife, uh, Gwen Verdon. If you haven't seen it, I hugely recommend the uh, TV show Fussy Verdon that deals with their relationship and, and sort of many of the projects that they worked on together. It's fantastic. And they wanted the rights to a play that had been based on a real real life um, story of, of two women in Chicago who had murdered their partners, uh, Beulah, Annan and Balva Gartner, and who got away with it. And the reporter who had reported on the cases, you know, saw that these women being treated differently because of the way they looked. They were very photogenic, even though they were obviously guilty. Um, their stories didn't quite add up, but, um, you know, an all-male jury let them off. And um, I think she felt quite bad about it, especially as, um, you know, a woman who wasn't as photogenic um, had been sentenced, um, you know, to death. Um, she was given a retrial and she was let off. But, yes, yeah, so she wrote a play about it. And for years, Fossey and Verdant wanted to make a musical out of it and she didn't want to. I guess she thought it would glamorise that story. Um, but then she passed away and then they got the rights to it. <laughs> and now we have Chicago. And boy, is it a fun romp. <laughs> but it does have something serious to say and I think it is... It does talk about, you know, the media and how we sort of glamorise criminals and how we sort of, you know, view women. And it's a very musical musical. It is, like, jam-packed with, with songs. I mean, there's more songs than, than just normal talking in it. Um, some great dance numbers. I think the... You know, for years they wanted to make a, a musical out of it, a movie musical, and I think Madonna was attached at one point. We had Catherine Zeta-Jones, who won an Oscar for her role in it, and, and Renee Zellweger in the leading parts. And, you know, it is one of those, you've got to sing along to it. You know, I defy you to sort of watch this and not sort of tap your feet and nod your head and, and sort of dance around the living room a little bit. Uh, perhaps like Barry Keoghan at the end of Saltburn. But maybe but, don't do that in the cinema. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> but no, I think it's... I, I, I really recommend it. If, you, if you're a person who thinks they don't like musicals, watch Chicago and hopefully you'll change your mind. Is it better than The Muppets? Yes. Oh, do the Muppets? Well, I don't think that's possible. So I just I, I reject your entire review now. Okay. <laughs> um, my my girlfriend, obviously Lauren, she um she's performed in Chicago before, isn't on the show, and it sounds like performing Chicago for you know it, you know a girl in sort of her twenties you know is the best thing to do is yeah. the most fun because mm. all like all the female characters are supposed to, are, are, are amazing to play. They're all really sassy. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, it's a lot of fun and very specific sort of dance moves as well. I mean, Fossey was, I think Fossey probably invented jazz hands, basically. He had mm. very specific, you know, it was all about even just like the turn of your head or your eyes or your, it was very, very specific, tiny, detailed sort of movements, but very tricky sort of dance moves. Not not the easiest uh, to pull off, but, but um, lots of fun to watch. Lovely. Well, I'll be sure. Uh, yep, yeah, I'll be honest. I've not seen it, and I will be sure to check it out now because I love, you know, crime and, and stuff. <laughs> I thought you were going to say crying. <laughs> I love crying. I love criminal will, women. Will it make me cry? It it might actually. Might? There are some poignant moments. Okay. There's definitely one or two poignant I, moments. I don't think it will. Oh, really? <laughs> I think. Well, maybe <laughs> there's a not. twinkle in Rory's eye that <laughs> makes think me think I'm going to have an entirely different reaction. <laughs> we definitely need to watch it. I think it'd be fun. Oh, lovely! And uh, then do karaoke of it afterwards. Uh, 
You're listening to the Brum Picture Show on Brum Radio, and today we are trying to cheer ourselves up in this cold, cold January by talking about musicals. Now, I was going to talk about Annette, which is the Sparks Brothers film featuring music from Sparks and directed by uh, Leos Carax, who I'll admit I've, the only other film I've seen of him is Holy Motors. Um, but I absolutely love that. But anyway, it's, it's hilarious and dark, and it's it's about a pretentious stand-up played by Adam Driver and a soprano singer played by Marion Cotillard, and they are parents to a wooden puppet called Annette. And then it goes from there. The, the story progresses, as you'd imagine. It's a truly bonkers film, and if you haven't seen it, do check it out. But then I saw something else, and I thought, ooh, Oh no, I'm going to talk about that instead. And I thought it would tie in nicely with our review of Society of the Snow, which we'll be discussing later. So I'm going to talk about Cannibal, the musical. That's right, we lured you in with musicals, but this episode is actually going to be a stealth cannibalism special. What? <laughs> I didn't sign up for that. <laughs> I fooled you all. But yeah, no, I just came across this um, on, on Shudder the other day because I've been, uh, I got a Shudder, a Shudder trial, so I've been watching a lot of trash, frankly. <laughs> and, <laughs> and this popped up, and I'll be honest, I didn't know it existed. So this is directed, written, produced, co-scored by and starring Trey Parker, obviously later of South Park and uh, Book of Mormon fame. And it was made while he was still at university and it was later released by Troma. So if you know your low-budget horror, they're a, they're a distribution company who specialise in ultra-low-budget exploitation films with films like Chopper Chicks in Zombie Town, which, fun fact, is one of Billy Bob Thornton's um, early performances. <laughs> but yeah, it was uh, it was made while he was at uni and just made at weekends and during spring, spring break. So this is essentially a student film, but um, it's a very charming one and a very interesting little origin story for, for where Trey Parker would go. So it, it stars Trey Parker, who's credited as Juan Schwartz, as Alfred Packer, who was a real character from the old western times so it's a really interesting story which you should look into because this, this, this happened guys he was a, a prospector who became the sole survivor of a six-man trek across the san juan mountains in colorado and he appeared without the rest of his party and everyone was like ah what, what happens to those other people? This and, isn't um, the Donner Party, was it? Different story. A different different, one. There, was, there was a lot of a lot of cannibalism oh stories goodness. in the old West times. Um, but yeah, so the rest of his party was later found partially eaten, oh. and he was sentenced to death. And this triggered a decades-long legal battle. Basically, it's a true story, and I I will say. It's certainly not for everyone. You know, it's crude, uh, and of course it is, coming from coming from Trey Parker of, of South Park fame. And it starts with one of the goriest opening sequences you'll see, um, and very well done for a student film, and it, and it goes from there. And there's, there's some... There's some really, truly disgusting stuff here. Um, but there's also a lot of really highbrow stuff in there because, let's face it, like, Trey Parker is a very well-educated man and he's obviously, his musical theatre background is quite apparent. Like, he knows how to, how, to, how to write a song, like Book of Mormon and even, you know, Team America and, and the South Park film. Like, he's, he's obviously well-versed in, uh, in, in his musical theatre and it shows and there's actually some really good choreography in there and some quite impressive dance sequences for, for what is essentially um, a student film. 
and I don't know. I just, I just enjoyed it very much. There's, there's, there's an incredible love song about uh, about a horse, and I'd say that is up there with my lovely horse from Father Ted. And going back to our Christmas episode, there's a whole song about building a snowman, Nadine. Aww. And I'm sure you'd like that. I'd enjoy um, that. And yeah, so there's some, there's also some lovely like David Zucker-esque um, visual gags, and you know, airplane and all that kind of stuff. But the horse that there is a love song about about 15 different horses play this horse and they're all entirely different and it's very noticeable from scene to scene that it is just a different I think that's partly budget constraints it's just like the same horse, not available. It's a busy horse. It's got scheduling conflicts. It can't just be got working. Few races. Around, yeah, it yeah. can't be working around a student's um, a student's uh, schedule. But in a, in a way, it just turns into a nice visual gag in itself. Um, but there's also lots of little references to to Monty Python, like nice little meta jokes, and just some just some great lines. There's definitely a lot of stuff that is very 1993 and would not go down very well today. Oh, do we need but, another like, trigger warning? Well, there is. Because what would the trigger warning be? Um, well, you know, the usual racism, homophobia, misogyny, uh. all that kind of stuff. But it's within the context of, you know, satire. So it's okay. kind of okay. But there is this whole sequence that I'm not entirely sure what what it's about, really. So they come across a, a tribe of Native Americans, but these Native Americans are all... Japanese for some reason <laughs> and, oh. and then but there's no I maybe it's a comment on unsaw early films that did portray Native Americans with non-native actors maybe potentially exactly so yes satire so it's maybe, absolutely yeah. fine it's maybe not, it's just we don't want to cancel Trey Parker <laughs> yeah. do we well, I, think he's I mean I think he's, he's uncancelable un- yeah. yeah. you, yeah, you cannot cancel Trey Parker like that's just that's just what what he does is that kind of thing. But anyway, I, I just really enjoyed it. And it, it is rough around the edges. It is, you know, some might even call it a bad film. But it's one that I enjoyed very much. <laughs> and there's there's this wonderful little speech near the end and I that just made me think, well, that's just spot on. I, you know, this is my kind of film. And that <laughs> speech was probably the most important thing is that when things get really bad and the world looks its darkest, you just have to throw up your hands and say... Well, all right, because it's probably going to get a heck of a lot worse. There you go. Fair Another enough. cheery note. <laughs> yeah. Another cheery note. But just in Let's general. Let's cheer everybody up with a musical special yeah, episode. Exactly. Well, to be fair, I would like to see more you know, cannibal-based musicals. Like, imagine, <laughs> imagine Hannibal! Exclamation mark. I ate his liver with some fava beans and a nice Chianti. That'd be great, yeah? Yeah, I'd love um, that. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. I to want be, you to write it. <laughs> to be honest, <laughs> I, I spent my Christmas re-watching the terror and, mm. and that has a, a quite a deal of cannibalism in it as well. So maybe right. it's quite a seasonable maybe we can make a Christmas cannibalism a thing. There we go. That's nice, isn't think, it? Yeah. Well, anyway, I think we need a palate cleanser after that. <laughs> oh, I, I, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I do believe, Rory, you're going to talk about something that's a bit nicer. Yeah, so. West Side. Have you seen West Side Story? <laughs> no. <laughs> Is it not nicer? Uh, have you seen Romeo and Juliet? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's kind of that. Oh. But, but with music. Yeah. Oh, right. Okay, well. I mean, that's not very happy either, is it? No. All right, no. carry on. Well, it's, funny, it's, it's, it's funny I mentioned that in that. It, this was, so my, and I, I might even say love of musicals, but it's, it's becoming that. It stemmed from, as I said, my, I mentioned my girlfriend who's really into musicals, and it almost, to the point where it felt like I had to really get on board with this. 
otherwise that a relationship might be in jeopardy. It's a deal breaker. Yeah. It's a deal breaker, and I and I did do so, and I've got like I've mentioned before, and I've got a scratch thing, like a hundred best musicals, I scratch them off, so that's part of it as well. That keeps me entertained. Um, but West Side Story is one of my earlier ones that I went to, and I watched it in the cinema, and I remember turning to Lauren, like about thirty minutes into the film, and going. This is a lot like Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> is this a rip-off? <laughs> uh, Public so, domain, mate. You can't rip off yeah, Shakespeare. <laughs> exactly. To where she just whispered, that's the point. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm talking obviously about the Spielberg version because that's the one I saw um, and, I, and I, I really loved it. It's Again, he's, he's an absolute master. The music is amazing. Um, it's Bernstein, which is, of course... Um, popular now because of Maestro, which I also watched on Christmas. Yeah, very w- musical Christmas. It has been with Bradley Cooper, but yeah, it's essentially that. Really, it's um, it's Romeo and Juliet with songs based in a uh, New York, and this is modern New York, I believe. The is it the sixties when the first? yeah the original one was from the nineteen sixties was the sixties and it's really about well the, the logline is two youngsters from rival New York City gangs fall in love but tensions between their respective friends build towards tragedy yeah there you go so uh, another uplifting <laughs> musical yeah. choice there for you guys um, but no I mean well that goes to show you know and that's a classic musical musicals don't have to be about sort of boring bland subject matter. I think at the time it was very contemporary, it was very edgy. Um, there was there was a lot of racial tensions and gang tensions and, and still is, you know. Yeah. Um, and so they made a musical about it. Why why not? <laughs> but yeah, no, it's about, like you said, it's about sort of racial tensions as well between Puerto Ricans, um, who I believe the Sharks, and then you've got the Jets yeah. as well, who are... Uh, uh, yeah they're sort of white european american um at that time and yeah it's about two star-crossed lovers you know as in shakespeare who they they find each other in a dance hall which is just an amazing scene it's like the first yeah you you got the you got the opening scene which is sort of classic spielberg it goes from comes really really high up and and then we sort of explore this this it's almost like a sort of a war, like a, a, a battlefield landscape, mm. sort of completely dilapidated buildings, and you know it's like it's been bombed. And then we, it, we come down, and then we've got the two rival gangs, and, and they fight each other. But then, yeah, you go to this dance hall scene, which, again, speaking to someone who does choreography, um, was completely blown away by it. So it's it's got everything. It's got Spiel, Spielberg's amazing direction, the choreography. If you're if you're into dancing, it's amazing as well as breathtaking. The acting and performances are, are brilliant as as well. Um, yeah, and it's Rachel Zegler's um, sort of that was her sort of standout role. Her first, you know, they I think they auditioned. They did one of those sort of nationwide or global auditions, and they and then they found her. They you know threw in self tapes, and this was her. And she'll be playing Snow White next, so she's obviously yeah. on the musical. Mm. Yeah, but the standout for me is Ariana Dubois. Um, yeah, she's just getting breathtaking. So yeah, if you the writing as well, Tony Kushner, he's a, he's a screenwriter who works with Spielberg, and the script's brilliant. I, yeah. Classic songs as well. I mean, I did songs from West Side Story at primary school, so 
I am tempted to to burst out into song right now, but I, I will I will keep it under wraps. Oh, um, but yeah, I think what I've I've seen that and I've seen the original one as well, and I think the what the original is beautifully shot, amazing cinematography, amazing musical numbers, very even the editing I, I find was um, really excellent. I think where it's let down is most of the Puerto Rican characters are played by white actors in blackface. Even the one, even the one, a Puerto Rican in the film was was sort of darkened for you know with makeup for the film. So I think that's something that they rectified in this version by casting real Latinx um, actors. And so perhaps it is something that is ripe for a remake. In that you know now you can cast yeah. people who who are it, more authentic. It's weird that the conversation that it was it was having was really sort of quite liberal yeah. and forward thinking, you know, um, like, like the whole song America really is a, mm. is, is an amazing song actually when you listen to the lyrics because it's a complete critique of American society and the struggles of, you know, that those communities had at that time. But then obviously does that Definitely. completely undermine the yeah, original film? I don't know. About the cast- I still think it's a film worth watching definitely um, for many reasons. But yeah, um, the casting choices perhaps let it down. Well, I'd like to see it. I've never seen either version, to be honest with you, but, but I, w- I will give it a watch. You should watch for that. For sure. You are listening to the Brum Picture Show on Brum Radio. We've been trying to cheer ourselves up in this cold and dark January by talking about musicals. And now we're going to cheer ourselves up by talking about Society of the Snow, the the heartwarming film from J.A. Biona, of course, director of The Orphanage and The Impossible and the not-so-great, let's-face-it, Jurassic World uh, Fallen Kingdom. And this is based on the very incredibly, unbelievably true story of the 1972 Uruguayan Air Force Flight 571 disaster. Uh, Yes, a rugby team and their associates uh, crashed in the Andean mountains and had to survive. So it's an incredible story. Um, Rory, do you want to start by... Because you said... (laughs) You texted me the other night going, this is a hard watch. (laughs) This is one of your films you were looking forward to, 2024. Yeah, yeah. We mentioned this in the last episode as uh, what we're looking forward to this year. What did you think, Rory? I I don't want this to be the theme of the episode, but this (laughs) film needs a trigger warning. (laughs) (laughs) It's horrific. Yeah. And in a a great way, Mm. but... At times, I was thinking, I don't know if I would be able to get through this, which really? might be a selfish point of view when you're watching. Right, yeah. What I was watching. So I'm intrigued. Were you aware of the original? Were you aware yeah. of the event? And were you aware of? Um, I was aware of the event, and I watched the original. I think I watched the original film. Yeah, Alive from yes, yeah, Ali- yes. Alive from 1993, which is um, of course directed by Frank Marshall, who's the producer of some of the most successful um, movie franchises of all time, including Indiana Jones and Jurassic Park, and mm. also director of one of my favourite films from the year of my birth, uh, Arachnophobia from 1990. Oh, I love Arachnophobia. Um, so yes, it is. This is kind of... Is there a of, 60s version of the film as well? Well, that would be before the actual event, so I'd be impressed if, um, <laughs> <laughs> if there was. Is there a 1973 <laughs> version of the film? Yeah, very is... prophetic. Um, is there? Yeah. Is there, There's oh, definitely yeah, an old, not 60s. They, got, they got in there quickly, didn't they? But that, Alive is definitely the most famous one, for sure. Yeah, um, I watched that, yeah. But yeah, like I guess 
having knowledge of the event itself and yeah. and the previous film adaptations at least kind of prepares you for what's going to happen a little bit, but you still you felt unprepared. Well, because I didn't, I didn't think Alive was as... I didn't think it could, it could be as gritty as it was because Alive was just... It wasn't as gritty as the film, as Society mm. of the Snow. Mm. Um, yeah, the air... The air, like the plane crashing thing, is is mm. just so terrifying, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of crunching. Oh, yeah, there's a lot of crunching, and yeah, but also I guess you know it's a, a story about hope. I kept thinking, how how is how are they surviving this? This is just insane. Mm. Mm-hmm. There's so many there's so many things in the film and in, and in alive that you think, well, surely that's just dramatic license, and sure, well, obviously that didn't happen. And then you look into the story, and it it all that all happened. Like obviously, there's a few little changes here and there, but the basic sequence of really unfortunate events that's all real. Like it is astonishing what those people went through, and I just don't know. How I just I honestly don't know how how they managed to do it, and it is one of those films where you kind of uh, you stop watching it as a film in some ways, and and you just think what you would do in that situation, mm. and uh, I, I, I would not survive. <laughs> I'm no, a vegetarian, so exactly. that's doubly oh, right. Well, I'd say in that context, <laughs> that's I, I don't think you'd have a choice, Nadine. Exactly. What? Yeah, that which is was the whole the point of the film. Oh, well, part of the film was mm. that moral conundrum. Yeah, in fact, that's. I, I think this story would go quite differently today because I'm obviously watching it from my perspective, and for for a film called Society of the Snow, I didn't think there was very much of a, about the interpersonal politics in between. There's not actually that much of a power struggle in them, and I guess mm. a part a lot of that comes from the fact that they are already in an existing rugby team, yeah. so they've already got kind of a power structure already in place. And they've already got everyone on the plane, with the exception of a few people. They kind of know each other, or at least know each other mm. by degrees yeah. of separation. So they also all go to the same church. Yeah, yeah. So, so in that sense, I suppose it does make sense that, that, that you know there isn't actually that much interpersonal conflict. Because if I had been in, if I'd been trapped in that plane with a bunch of strangers, the moral and philosophical conundrum of whether or not to to eat someone else in that fuselage would not be an issue for me. (laughs) By the the second night, I'd be chowing down on the pilot's leg, I think. Oh my gosh! You wouldn't even know the entire situation. There'd be a a village five miles down the road. I wouldn't even wait for the nuts to run out. Oh my goodness! I'm not going on holiday with you now, Paul. No, well, no, no. like, I genuinely think like it is. Inc- it's just incredible. Like, and obviously this 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 story it has been told by the survivors. So perhaps things weren't as harmonious on that. But I do think it does seem that for the most part, like that is how things went mm. down. They and call I their do leader, think I like they call the leader captain and stuff right, like yeah. that. I just thought it was really interesting. And I just think if you took that exact same story, because remember this is 1972, so this is 50 years ago. But if you imagine that same event happening today with a plane full of strangers, I think the outcome would be very different different indeed. But yeah, I just I just wouldn't have been able to cope. Like I either I would have just been going mad or I'd be I'd I'd be like that depressed penguin in um in Werner Herzog encounters at the end of the world when that penguin just just walks off into the distance yeah, and it's like but yeah, so it wouldn't be like I'd just leave and not in a not in a heroic Captain Oates way, just more just more like that penguin is just like I'm off, mate. I'm not I'm not dealing with being stuck in this it's stuck in this plane with like fifteen other people because 
like whilst this is gritty stuff i do think it there is still it is still quite hollywood like it do, it does yeah. shy away from it doesn't go too deep with the with that just the grim reality and i just don't i don't think it could i disagree with that because, I, like i well, thought yeah. it was i don't I thought it was as gritty as it needed to be. Yes, no, I, I agree. I don't yeah. think it could have gone gritty I, because it would have been unwatchable. And, mm, and ultimately, yes. the story is one about human triumph. And, yeah. and uh, it, you know, to if you actually were to get even more realistic with it, th- then I think it would just be unwatchable and yeah. just kind of negate the message of the film because yeah. it's about, you know, it's a, yeah, it's about perseverance and all that. And it's, but, ooh. It's like, one thing I... I'm not necessarily struggled with, but I didn't think we needed the narration because it does no. the thing of where it explains something that seeing? we we all know because we're just watching it. Yeah. And that was one of my issues with that. I mean, and it's also and it also it's something that makes it a, again a little bit too similar to um, the 1993 version because um, mm. that's narrated by it's got narration from like a older uh, John Malkovich just talking about the the, the whole the, yeah the whole experience. Um, of it all and yeah I did think that was a bit of an issue and also it's it's more the fact that Alive does exist and I don't think it did too much more with the story than than that original adaptation did I like that it was more authentic and that it's obviously actually in the Spanish language and so I think and it's you know obviously got the benefit of you know 30 years of filmmaking progress but I think I, I would have personally I wouldn't have minded seeing maybe a different version that's more about kind of the aftermath about when they got back, like you still focus on the disaster itself. But of course, the interesting, one of the most interesting parts of the story is about how they kind of had to explain themselves when mm. they got back. And it was like, how'd you go uh, back to normal society? Yeah. And also, yeah, because yeah, I was talking about Alfred uh, Packer earlier, um, uh, you know, how he had to explain how, what he'd done to survive. And it's, at first, like the survivors did, did, um, claim they were living off packed food and then eventually they just kind of admitted and then the whole kind of backlash around that i think that would have been an interesting different angle um i believe and i believe the pope exonerated them right yes yeah yeah they they certainly were forgiven like yeah, <laughs> yeah definitely yeah, and that. you know i think it's fair Which, enough like because because that's the thing so much of the film is about that ethical debate and for me it's not a debate. You just, just like they, they, they did what they had to do to yeah. survive, and you know, there's, I, mean, I, th- I think <laughs> it's no it, it's about there. the ethical debate, but the ethical debate in the context of Catholicism as well. Yeah, yeah, and that religious context. Exactly, because yeah. that's, that's the thing. I'm I'm not watching that from a religious perspective. So obviously, to them, being a mostly Roman Catholic, um, yeah, bunch of passengers, that 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 moral conundrum would be far more of a, a weighty one but yeah as i say for me i'll just be like no <laughs> it's all right uh I, I wish we could speak more about this film but i thought it was incredibly well done and really effective but yeah be prepared for it um and whilst it doesn't maybe it doesn't add that much more than uh, the 1993 version does like it's 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 just really well done so so yeah give that a watch nadine have you seen anything recently you'd like to talk about yeah, I've been catching up on some films that I missed out on in 2023. So I watched Scrapper. I watched um, Across the Spider-Verse, which is on Now TV. I watched Barbarian on Prime. And I watched um, How to Have Sex, which has, has been getting a lot of um, positive um, sort of crit- critical responses to that as well. Um, I have to say, watching Barbarian probably wasn't the best choice uh, right before bedtime um, because that's another that's a a sort of scary movie if you're not aware and um, at about three or four o'clock in the morning I heard a a terrific crash bang wallop in my house 
you know, spent about five minutes trying to find my phone so I could use the torch to investigate. Now, I do have a cat, so it's not unusual to hear noises in the middle of the night. Um, but I did get worried when I stepped into the hallway and I heard the kitchen door close. Ooh. And, I, and if you've seen Barbarian, you, <laughs> you can understand <laughs> where my head was at. And I, I, you know, obviously I made sure I had a weapon on me, but I don't know what I was prepared. I was not prepared for what I saw on the other side of the door. Um, when I did open the door, because the door's usually propped open with a chair so my cat can get in and out, um, I found my cat on the countertop with half a paper bag wrapped around his <laughs> head. <laughs> He'd gotten into basically the recycling bag, must have panicked, got trapped, got stuck in it, freaked out, ran into the chair that was propping the kitchen door open, it, <laughs> open and <laughs> moved it and, and sort of trapped himself in the kitchen with the paper bag handle around his neck, which has nothing to do with Barbarian other than the fact that it is a very scary film that involves sort of... Um, you know, people in your house um, or in the place that you're staying that you're not aware of. Um, and it's set in Detroit, which seems to be the perfect place to set horror films these mm. days. Um, I have to say, Justin Long, I'm a huge fan of his. He he brought a kind of comic element halfway into the film. It deals with some serious subject matter as well. In the way that people often talk about elevated horror these days, I think this is just a classic horror movie that, happens to be addressing a very current topic like many horror films have done since the mm -hmm. beginning of horror films. So, um, yeah, I would recommend it, but I wouldn't recommend watching it late at night when you've got a crazed cat <laughs> sort of wandering around your house. Uh, just briefly, I want to mention that I went to see Ferrari, which is, of course, the new uh, Michael Mann film. I guess it's been a little while since he's made a film, so that's a, that's a big event. Uh, I suppose, in many ways, it's another addition to the corporate drama genre. Um, it's a nice, nice musical rhyme there, isn't it? The corporate drama genre. Anyway, we can't um, shut him up now. <laughs> <laughs> we should never made him do karaoke. I know. Just I have heard you sing four times now, <laughs> since then. and you missed the and I've intro. Never heard you well, before. It, well, it is, it is. It is the musical episode. He, he does have a good voice. Um, but yeah, so this this um, has more in common with House of Gucci, I suppose, than than something oh. like, than something like Blackberry. Um, I might I, watch it then. Yeah, but it is a really solid film. Um, undoubtedly, you'll get more out of the film if you know your racing history, or, Which or, I don't. or maybe less. Perhaps <laughs> there's loads of historical inaccuracies that would in, enrage you if you knew about racing. But nevertheless, this kept me very engaged and interested for about for a film that's about a subject for which I care little. If it was up to me, there'd be no cars. Um, and unlike Napoleon, this very wisely focuses on a very select period of Ferrari's life and doesn't get to encompass too much. And whilst there's still a lot of talk of um, contract negotiations and business wheeling and dealing, get it? It's about cars. Oh. Cars have wheels. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, the main race in it is, is indeed a spectacle. This, this is still very much focused on the human drama. So, again, not worlds apart from Napoleon in that a lot of this is about his relationship with women and the importance of keeping his family name and bloodline going. Uh, and these moments are really well played out. There's a remarkable performance from Penelope Cruz. And Adam Driver is, of course, great as always. And is he a movie star or just a really good actor? That's probably a debate um, for another time, but... 
Yeah, I think we yeah. need to do an episode on movie yeah, stars, perhaps. Um, but yeah, but, uh, I, I definitely recommend it as a film. There's some very funny moments, although perhaps some not intentionally. There's So there's a moment where there's a new driver turns up asking to drive for Ferrari, and then he refuses... Uh, and then the old driver immediately crashes and dies right in front of them at that moment. And that was a bit of dramatic license that got definitely got a laugh in the screening that I was in. And it seemed like maybe, I don't know, maybe that's a little bit flippant because, you know, this is a true, you know, that actually happened. And just the, the you know, it works as a kind of... <laughs> funny moment because this guy immediately crashes dies and then add, and then uh, that's Fer lucky yeah and then ferrari's like well i'll see you in my office on monday and then that's it a very good film um but but yeah maybe you'll get more out of it if you like cars and stuff and now it's over to nadine for her roundup of local events what's happening in the area nadine well, I'm going to mix it up a bit this week because, you know, January, not as much going on. So we're going to get some general releases in there. So all you uh, multiplex fans, you know, we've got something for you as well. And with us gearing up for award season, a lot of those big um, awardsy films that we've been hearing about from Cannes and from, you know, America, the Golden Globes and all that kind of thing, they're finally making their way over to our shores. So if you've been looking forward to Poor Things by Yorgos Lanthimos, that'll be out on the 12th of January on general release. The Holdovers, another awards favourite, will be being released on the 19th of January on general release. On the 26th of January, we've got All of Us Strangers on general release and a lot of buzz about that. And for all you musical fans, The Colour Purple, the musical, will be being released on the 26th of January on general release. So that's an all-new uh, star-studded version of that film, which was adapted from a book. Now, for our local community cinema events, on the 18th of January, Screen B14, big news, it's our fifth birthday and we're going to be holding our birthday bash at the Cuban Embassy on the 18th of January and we'll be showing a collection of locally made short films. But we've sold out currently. We may release some more tickets, so keep an eye out for that. But, you know, you snooze, you lose on this one. On the 24th of January, the Classic Film Club at St Anne's Club Digbeth will be shown Shutter Island, a favourite of mine, a bit of a Martin Scorsese classic. And on the 27th of January, we'll be showing an extra special screening of The Red Shoes by Powell and Pressburger at Mosey Dance Centre. And that is a collaboration with the BFI for their Cinema Unbound season. And on the 31st of January, the Classic Film Club will be showing Jaws at St Anne's Club in Digbeth. Lots of great films uh, coming out. Lots of great films already been released. I'm looking forward to going and seeing Priscilla soon uh, by Sofia Coppola. Um, that will be making its way to the multiplexes soon. So very excited for that one as well. Will it though? Isn't it already out? And yeah, this was something I was worried about because I've been waiting. It was supposed to be released January first, mm -hmm. and you can actually see if you go to the Mockingbird. I believe they're showing it, so some of the independents are showing it. Right. But I think it's doing that thing of like uh, kind of staggered release, so it will be showing at the multiplexes soon. Okay. If good. it isn't already near you, um, I would like to make use of my subscription to 
a certain local exactly. multiplex. Yes, I um, was having the same issue. I was like, yeah. where's it gone? It's not there anymore, but it is coming out. It's okay. coming out soon. That's good. That's good. Well, thanks, Nadine. That was a lovely and thorough roundup of what's going on. So that's about all we've got time for for the Brum Picture Show this week. Join us next week. But in the meantime, it's goodbye from me, Paul. It's goodbye from me, Nadine. And goodbye from me, Rory. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. Goodbye. You have been listening to The Brum Picture Show, a Screen B14 production for Brum Radio. Tune in next time for more film fun. And don't forget to email us at pictureshow at brumradio.com. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. Well, so you just... Oh, God. You, I don't give you permission to eat my corpse. Oh, I'd give you permission I'm... to eat my corpse. Oh, I know you would. <laughs> <laughs> that was the greatest love or whatever that quote was. Yeah. Was no, I don't love anybody enough oh, to let them eat me. Rory, you can eat me too. I'm sure my cat will probably end up eating me. Yeah, definitely. I mean, my cat would eat me in a second. My <laughs> cat tries to eat me now. <laughs> it wouldn't even wait for me to be dead. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this Brum Radio podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and rate us on your podcast app.